0: I want you all to think of your favorite movie you've ever watched. Think of your favorite movie you've ever watched, and think about how you loved it so much that what'd you do? You went and watched it again. You watched it again, you watched it again, then, okay, you went and quoted it to your buddies, and you all laughed about all the jokes that they made, and you loved it, and you were being influenced by it. In fact, you love this movie so much that what you did, that you started changing maybe the clothes you wore because the character that you liked in the movie wore those type of clothes. Guilty. I did that, by the way. I'm not going to tell you which movie it was, but I changed my attire because I was like, that guy's pretty cool. I want to do that. I was influenced by the movie right? You started changing the things that you said, maybe the slang that you started using, maybe you started using a a joke from the movie that you watched because you loved this character so much. There's a guy in the Philippines that loved a character so much that he made some drastic changes, okay? So you got that movie in your head. Next thing you know, you're headed to a doctor's office. You're like, Roy, what are you talking about? Doctor's office? What does this have to do? Okay, you have a surgery to get your face surgically changed to look like the character that influenced you in that movie. That's what this guy in in the Philippines did. He changed his face, he changed his body to look like Superman. Superman. He was so influenced by Superman and he wanted to be Superman so bad that he spent Two years of his salary, that's a, that's a lot, to change his face, to change his body, to change his muscles, to change everything, and he has more plans to do it. It took about, I think it was like 13 years or so of surgery after surgery after surgery to make himself look like Superman. He doesn't really look like Superman, by the way. If you look this up, it's, sorry guy, it's not a good thing. But he did it because he was influenced so heavily by Superman. If we want to be a godly influence, we have to be committed to Christ, and we have to surround ourselves with other godly influences. Influences are so powerful, whether it's a negative influence, right? Sinful influence, a wicked influence, or maybe it's a positive influence, a righteous influence, a good and godly influence. Regardless, influences are powerful. And hear me when I say this. Negative influences, if we surround ourselves with the wrong type of people, we surround ourselves with the wrong type of influences, it could lead you not only to experience harm, uh, physical harm, but spiritual harm. And in some cases, you may walk away from the faith. It is so important that we're surrounding ourselves with the right influences, especially if we want ourselves to be good and godly influences. Turn with me to Proverbs 13. We're going to look at just one verse today, and I want you to be ready because I'll give you time this week to to turn to the passages you need to turn to, but we're going to be looking at a lot of passages today. We're going to kind of jump around the Bible. So Proverbs 13, verse 20, let's look at this one together. It says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. So whoever walks, it's implying this type of commitment, right? This type of consistent activity. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. The wise, these are godly people, right? These are people that know God, that love the scriptures, and that are living in a way that pleases God. If you walk with the wise, you become wise. Okay, what's the the opposite side? Well, if you don't, let's see, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. The companion, someone who's surrounding themselves with these influences, and it doesn't only have to be people or uh, friendships, it it can be social media, right? It could be uh, movies. It could be uh, music. It could be all of these different influences in your life. The companion of those foolish influences can suffer harm, will suffer harm, rather. If you're going to be a godly influence, the first point I want you to write down is you have to commit to living in a way that pleases God. Commit to living in a way that pleases God. And we're pulling this from where he's saying, whoever walks, right? The word whoever, or the phrase there that says, whoever walks implies this consistent uh, daily commitment to pleasing the Lord, to godly living. We can't even begin to apply the rest of this passage, right? Following godly influences and and, and running away from, from foolish influences unless we're first committed to pleasing God with our lives, Tom Brady, probably the best football player of all time. I will argue with you all day about that. Best football player of all time. And why? Because he's incredibly committed to his craft. I looked up this guy's regime, uh, regiment. It's like 5.30 a.m. wake up. He eats uh, this specific diet, and he's working out pretty much all day. And, he, yeah, they quote it. He's like, yeah, I have a cheat day once in every 17 years. But, hey, I still... I'm committed to what I'm doing. And Tom Brady is probably the most committed sports player of all time. He's spending all of his resources, right? He's spending his time. He's spending his friendships even. He's probably sacrificed a lot of friendships in his time of getting to the great point that he's at. Um, And he's also spending uh, valuable uh, uh, resources in terms of like money, Right? He's putting all his effort and all his, his ability into mastering his craft. Because why? Tom Brady wants to be the best football player he's, he could be. He's committed to doing that. The question is are you committed in this type of way to pleasing God, to living a life that pleases God? Are you committed to sacrificing your resources, your time, your abilities, your efforts, your friendships? the way you spend your free time are you committed to doing that to please god on a daily basis are you committed to doing that write this verse down colossians 1:10 you don't have to turn there it's quick so i'll read it for you colossians chapter 1 verse 10 it says so as to walk in a manner worthy of the lord okay what are we talking about like i have to earn my salvation or something no he's just saying that if you're calling yourself a christian then you're living in a way that identifies with that, right? Your works are are showing, are evidence of your profession of faith. You're walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. And how? Fully pleasing to him. You're not doing in a way that displeases him. You should be living in a way that does fully please him in every aspect of your life. Bearing fruit in every good work. It goes on. He presses it even harder. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Everything you do Um, You're bearing in every good work, every single good thing you do, and you're also increasing the knowledge of God. You're increasing in who you know God, uh, how you know God is. You're reading scripture every day. You're diving in deeper every day. Some of you are fully committed, right? Some of you are fully committed, and that's good. Some of you are, are diving into scripture every day. You're praying every day. You're being a godly influence. You're running away from bad influences. And you're applying these things on a daily basis because you're fully committed. Keep going, right? Keep doing that. That's a good thing. Praise God for that. Keep pressing forward because you live in a world that is going to reject that. It's going to push back on you. But some of you might be saying that you're committed. Some of you might be thinking, yeah, I'm committed to this. I'm committed to living every single day for the glory of God. I'm committed to pleasing God with my life. But you're not applying anything. You're not doing things. The the sermons are coming through one ear, and it's going out the other. You're reading your scripture every single day because you say you're committed, but guess what you're doing? Nothing with it. There's no follow through. So what does it look like? Right? What does it look like to be committed to live in a way that pleases God? Turn to Romans 12. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm just going to look quickly at this. Now, of course, this is a very comprehensive question. What does it look like to live in a way that pleases God? But I just want to look at a couple things here that Romans 12 points out for us. Romans 12, talking about being a living sacrifice to God. Romans 12, verses 1. 2. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So you remember when we think about the Old Testament, they would daily come to the temple to sacrifice. So we don't have that anymore. We have Christ, the ultimate sacrifice. So we daily are, are presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. And that means that we're holy and acceptable to God. That means our good works are holy and acceptable to God. We want to please God with everything that we do, which is your spiritual worship. Verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So when we think about these influences that we have in our life, my mind cannot be transformed to Christ. It's going to be transformed to the world if I'm, being influenced by things that are sinful being influenced by things that are negative being influenced by things that push me away from god that by the testing you may by that by testing you may discern what is the will of god what is good and acceptable and perfect so that we know what god wants us to do we want to be transformed by scripture by committing ourselves to god so that we know what's good and acceptable perfect. You see, being a godly influence must start first with our commitment to God before we can even apply the rest of this passage. So you need to have that mindset of daily commitment to the Lord, daily walking with those who are wise. And that's the second point. When you look at Proverbs 13 20, whoever walks with who? The wise. We identified who that is. These are godly people, right? These are godly influences. So point number two Learn from people that point you to God. And I like that word learn. That's why I put that there. Learn from them. See what they do and apply it into your own life. To be a godly influence, you have to walk with wise people. You will be affected by sinful influences. You need to be surrounded by godly influences. So the question I have for you is, do you walk with the wise Are you walking with godly influences in your life? Like I said, that can be godly people, right? And everything that we interact with, it's people, right? Whether it's a social media influencer, that's a person. Music, they're producing by a person. Movies, they're produced by people. And then direct influences are people. It's always people. Godly influences in our life are people. We need to be surrounded by godly people and learn from them. Babies are sinners, man. I know that was a jump, but let me tell you why. Babies are sinners. They're little vipers and diapers. That I can't take credit for that quote. It's someone else that said it, but it's hilarious and I love it because it's so true. Babies are sinners. If you, don't believe, if you don't believe in the doctrine of original sin, have a child. And you'll know, and why do I say that? Because babies know how to do wrong. They know how to do evil. They're born trying to do the wrong thing. My son, Micah, I mean, there's a, there's a reason why there's a cliche for this, but my son Micah, is, he was like three months old, and he sees the outlet, and he runs to it. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, don't, don't do that, right? He sees the trash can, and he looks at me. He's older. He's, he's eight months now, so he has a little bit more of a personality. But he looks at me. No, Micah. Dude, I have. It's so much harder. My point is, it's so much harder to train godliness than it is to learn uh, sinfulness. We're by nature sinners. We're by nature children of wrath, right? We need to learn how to be godly. So we have to be so focused. And so uh, uh, committed to being surrounded by people that are godly influences and not sinful negative influences. Turn to Philippians. For the rest of this point, we're going to be in Philippians. So keep your your finger there, thumb it there, keep it there. But Philippians 1 is the first passage we're going to look at. Philippians 1. The verse we're going to look at is verse 27. It says... Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. The same type of concept we read in Colossians 1, right? If you're professing Christ, then you're committed to Christ, and your life reflects that. And It goes on. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit. Paul's writing to the Philippians, and he's like, hey, I want to make sure that you guys are all walking with the Lord when I get back. And how do you do that? Well, you are... With one mind, striving side-by-side for the faith of the gospel. Side-by-side, you're striving side-by-side for the faith of the gospel. You are all committed together to being surrounded by godly influences and you're daily living your life committed to God. You're daily living in a way that pleases God. And these people that you're surrounding yourself with are going to push you in that direction. These people that you're being influenced by, whether, like I said, social media, movies, uh, music, or, or your friends, we need them to be godly influences. This is so important. And also, when you think about godly influences, some of you out there are like, hey, I'm a godly influence. I'm, I'm a godly influence. I'm committed. I, I have things to share. That's You know what? That is awesome. Like I said if you, in the beginning, if you are committed, if you're someone who's committed to this, you're someone who surrounds yourself with godly influences, you can be a godly influence. In fact, you should be a godly influence. If you're sitting here like, hey, I have something to, to pour into other people, God calls us to do that in Matthew 28, and he says, go disciple others. Go pour into other people. Go draw people closer to Christ. If you're good at something, spiritually, Teach someone else. Show them how to do it. So this sermon is not for the people that, or this sermon is not not for the people that are godly influences already. You need to hear this too. Don't check out. So think about the people that do point you to God. Who are those people? Who are those people that you're surrounding yourself with? Who are those influences in your life that you're surrounding yourself with? What social media platforms are you following? What influencers are you changing the way that you behave after? Which podcasts are you listening to? There's many people right now that we have that are surrounding us that we're just rejecting, that we're not embracing. Turn down, or I'm sorry, write this down, Philippians 3.17. Philippians 3.17, I guess if you're thumbed there, you could turn there quickly. It's a short passage. If you want, it's just a couple pages later. Philippians 3.17 says, brothers, join in imitating me. Paul's like, hey, imitate me. Why? Because I imitate Christ. Not because I'm great. Paul's not saying, I'm awesome. Look at me. Do what I'm doing. But he's saying, imitate me because I'm trying to do everything to imitate Christ. I'm committed to living a life pleasing to God. So I want to be a godly influence to you. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Paul's telling us, hey, surround yourself with godly influences. Surround yourself with people that are going to point you to Jesus. Who are those people? Parents. You may not think firsthand parents. and, And, you know, I know some of you guys don't have godly parents. I grew up with that. I understand. But if you do have godly parents, Christian parents that can point you to Christ... Take advantage of that. Think about like your, your dad. If he's a godly Christian, who has been a Christian for many, many years. And you, probably, some of you guys have parents that have Christians that have been Christians longer than you've been alive. They have plenty of godly wisdom to pour into you. And they want to. And they're happy to. And you're sitting right there and you may be rejecting it. You may be not listening to it, turning the other, the other way. I was just talking to a student like a month ago, and he was telling me about his testimony and how he got saved. And before, he had this terrible relationship with his dad, and then he had a great relationship with his dad. And he was like, "I never knew my dad was so wise. I never knew my dad was so smart. He knows so much about the Bible, and he can teach me so much. And now he they hang out all the time. He wants to learn from him, and he wants to grow with him." Your small group leaders. This is cliche. Don't tune me out here. Listen to your small group leaders, guys. These people are sacrificing their time to disciple you. They're not here to chaperone you. They're here to disciple you. And they're sitting here in these small groups week after week, sitting here on these Sundays week after week because they want to serve you and they want you to become more like Jesus. They want you to be to grow in your faith. And we've collected these people specifically to do that. You think about good friends. That's, that's kind of what this passage is, is most directly talking about, is those friendships that you have, those good friendships that you have. And some of you guys have those good, godly, moral people in your life, those people that are professing Christians. Good friends can be godly influences in your life. And some of you are not taking advantage of that. Some of you have friends that you know you probably shouldn't be hanging out with. We'll talk a little bit more about that Later. about pastors, right? The people that are up here putting together sermons that take hours. It's not easy putting together these sermons. Not to pat myself on the back. Pastor John does it every single week for you guys, and he cares about you, and he loves you, and he caters this sermon specifically to you and your needs and what you need to hear because he wants to be a godly influence in your life. And there's so many other pastors here at our church that want to do the exact same thing for your spiritual growth. The last one I have here, and there's so many other examples, but it's other Christian influencers. Like I said, if you're on social media and you're following uh, these people that you know you probably shouldn't follow, why not use that time, unfollow those people, and start following godly influencers? Listen to podcasts. I can't tell you how instrumental that was in my faith when I uh, first became a Christian, listening to podcasts from from uh, pastors or uh, from just godly Christian brothers in Christ um, that grew my faith, that made me more like Christ simply because I wanted to listen and follow what they were doing. They were setting that example. You have so many resources at your fingertips. And that's, <laughs> partially it's a double-edged sword because when you have so many resources at your fingertips, oftentimes, like my son, we're more inclined to go to the to the people that are stupid and not the people that are wise, right? I do the same thing, guys. We need to be focused on the people that are gonna grow us in Christ. We need to be focused on the people that are gonna build us up in righteousness. Look, you may believe this is right. You may be hearing me and be like, yeah, tell it, Roy, you're right. But you are you actually applying it, right? That's, I think that's the trick there. Are you actually doing these things? Are you actually surrounding yourself with people who know and love God? People that are gonna build you up in Christ. People that are godly influences that are gonna uh, teach you how to be more like Christ. I mean, teach you how to please God. It's kind of like eating healthy. None of us like to eat healthy. And if you say you like to eat healthy, you're a liar. (laughs) You're a liar. I love organic food. I love, okay, I do too, all right? I do too. I love organic food, okay? But it's like veggies with every meal, fruit every single, like Tom Brady. I don't want anything bad. I want everything good, right? You want to eat healthy constantly, right? But if you're not this group and you're like the the rest of us, (laughs) you're like the rest of us, we're like, yeah, that's good. I should do that. But then I'm shoving pizza in my face at 7 p.m. at night, Right? or I'm going to In-N-Out with my wife and we're getting double-doubles and milkshakes. And, and that was an hour after we just talked about how, hey, we should start eating healthier. <laughs> yeah, that happens all the time. And the point I'm trying to make is some of us are apathetic towards sanctification. Some of you guys are apathetic towards surrounding yourself with godly people. You know it's right. You know you need to do it, but do you do it? Are you actually applying it? Are you actually unfollowing those people you know you shouldn't be following? Are you actually listening to the people you know you should be listening to? Are you actually hearing the sermons that are preached to you every Sunday and doing it as you leave uh, out into the parking lot? Turn to Philippians 4. You were there. It's just a couple pages later again. Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9. Philippians 4, it says this, Finally, brothers... Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is a list. This is a criteria that you probably should post on your bathroom mirror. Because when we think about every decision we make, when we think about every person we follow, when we think about every single sermon or every single uh, podcast we listen to, whatever godly influence or negative influence you're uh, following, does it line up with this criteria that Paul gives us in Philippians? Because if it doesn't, then you probably shouldn't be spending time there. You probably should be rejecting whatever that is that doesn't fit in line with this passage, with verse eight. If it doesn't fall into this category, throw it out. Turn away from it. Verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I mean, that's a huge, awesome promise. That if you do apply this criteria to your life, the God of peace will be with you. Practice these things just as these godly influences in your life are practicing. Learn from them. Grow in your faith through their teaching. Some of you have these people all around you and you're rejecting it. You have these advantages that even some Christians in other areas don't have. You have a a solid Bible teaching church where you can come to every single week and be discipled in a way that some people don't have the ability to do. And you're refusing it. You're refusing, you're rejecting it you don't want to learn from them. You have to understand this blessing, the God of peace will be with you, and so many other blessings that you're missing out on if you don't listen and learn to these godly, uh, from these godly influences. The glory, if you're a Christian, right? We talked about uh, you're living in a manner worthy of God. If you're a Christian, the glory that Christ is not getting because you refuse to listen to these godly influences, if you're a Christian and you're not applying this, this should convict your heart, because Christ is not being magnified, because you're rejecting Godly influences. You know it's right. You know you should eat salad and not pizza, but instead you're shoving pizza in your face. Look back at Proverbs 13:20. That second part of Proverbs 13:20, it says, "But the companion of fools will suffer harm." The companion of fools will suffer harm. Point number three, flee foolish influences that lead you away from God. Flee foolish influences that lead you away from God. There's all different types of foolish influences in our life. We're distracted by them. Are you a companion of fools? I mean, think about this. Who are the people you hang out with? Think about your friendships. Think about your relationships. Who are the social media influencers that you're following? What TikToks are you watching? Which Instagram reels are you uh, adhering to and liking and subscribing to? What YouTube videos are you subscribing to? What podcasts are you listening to? Who's influencing you? Are they fools? Are you in the company of fools? Are you a companion of fools? These people are foolish, negative, sinful influences and will lead you away from God. Write these two verses down. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. And Proverbs 14, 7. Proverbs 14, 7. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Right? Bad company, foolish influence, sinful influences are going to corrupt you. They're going to ruin you. And all of this this good and godly building up, right, the good morals, the things that your parents are trying to do, they're trying to teach you the thing that uh, Pastor John and myself are trying to do every week, we're trying to pour into you, the thing that your small group leaders are trying to do, pour into you, build you up, all of that will be ruined by surrounding yourself with bad company, by surrounding yourself with negative influences. The Bible promises that. Proverbs 14, 7. Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. Leave the presence of a fool. Stop being being around it. Flee it. The Bible doesn't say, hang out with it and see how you do. Hang out with it and you'll be fine. Just keep working harder. Leave it flee these foolish influences in your life. They don't have the words of knowledge. Godly influences do. On a lighter note, uh, my brother, back in the day, he was 13 years old, uh, not much older than, or not much younger than some of you guys. Some of you guys are 13. He um, and his friends, I think I might have been a part of that crew, so I might have been the foolish influence in that moment, but don't, don't listen to, to what we did. But uh, what did we do? My brother decided it'd be a great idea. Do you guys, okay, do you, I have to explain this a little bit. Do you guys remember like how you could put like Axe body spray on something and you'd light it on fire, right? And it would like, and it'd light up and then it'd go away really fast, right? And that was awesome. Okay, well, my brother and his friends, his friends were like, hey, Hey, we don't have Axe Body Spray, but you know what we should use? We should use Lysol. Oh, no. Some of you are further than I'm, I'm, I'm not there yet, right? But yeah, Lysol is flammable. It says it on the can like this big. Don't do this stupid thing that you're about to do, Rex, right? So he did it. Put it on his hand, burned his hand. He couldn't wipe it off, Right. So like axe, you know, like you'd put it on like a you know something and it'd wipe off really fast. Lysol doesn't do that. It's flammable. So it was burning his hand and he couldn't get it off. I forget what we did, but ultimately he got second degree burns on three of his fingers. And this isn't even part of the illustration, but I thought this was funny. My dad, what he did in that moment, he disciplined him and he said, "Hey, you have to keep your hand outside of ice for all of dinner, and that's your discipline. You won't be, you won't, you won't be uh, grounded. You won't, you." You just can't heal your hand for an hour and a half. Good? My brother was sitting there, tears in his eyes. And I, I felt the pain, man. I felt the pain for him. Look, the reason I bring this up, the, the point of this is not that you go and do this stupid thing. It's that bad influences are going to cause you to do stupid things, right? Right? Bad influences in your life are gonna cause you to do stupid things. And some of you are saying, I don't see the big deal with this. I don't have this in my life. I'm not, I'm not affected by these these things. You need to realize that you most certainly are being affected by the negative influences in your life, by the friends that you're hanging out with, by the, the social media you're following, by the movies you're watching by the music you're listening to, if it's not godly, uplifting, positive, pure things, the things that fit into our criteria of Philippians 4, then they are influencing you negatively, even if it's neutral. It's influencing you in a worldly perspective. It's going to make you do stupid things. Turn to Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4, 14 through 17 are the verses we're going to look at. Solomon, the most wise man that's ever lived, he offers us some godly wisdom on this matter. If you don't think that these influences, uh, influences are affecting you in your life, let's see what Solomon had to say about that. Proverbs 4, 14 through 17. It says, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. It doesn't say sometimes enter the path of the wicked and you'll be fine if you walk in the way of evil. No, it says, don't do it. Don't enter the path of the wicked. Don't walk in the way of, the, of evil. Verse 15 says, avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. It doesn't say, I can endure. I got this. I'm strong enough. Avoid it. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The people that are negative influences, that are sinful and wicked influences in your life, they want to sin. You, if you're calling yourself a Christian, don't want to sin. They are going to influence you to sin. You are not strong enough. The temptation is way too strong and the Bible makes that clear. It says stop walking with these people. Stop being influenced by these people. Let me push that point even further. Turn to 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6. This passage is a little bit more pointed. So if you're still sitting there thinking like, I'm good, I got this, I'll be fine. Let's see what Paul has to say to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 through 15. Paul's talking about relationships here. And he says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. If you don't know what unequally yoked means, or yoked rather, what that is, is they would put two animals that would tread together. On, they'd, they'd be tied against each other with uh, this wooden like bar thing. And if you had a small animal and a big animal, then it, it wouldn't work. Right? Or if you had two different types of animals, a really strong animal, a really weak animal, nothing would happen. You needed two like thoroughbred donkeys to go do their thing, right? So unequally yoked, right? You're balanced, you're of the same mind, you have the same purpose. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with belial? With Christ, with demons. I mean, Paul's making that distinction. Unbeliever and a believer, the distinction is so far, like Christ and demons, heaven and hell. Unbeliever, I don't know which one I did. Believer, unbeliever, right? It's such a far distinction that Paul's trying to make here. Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Says it plain and clear right there. If you're a friend of an unbeliever, look, that's fine. I'm not saying cut ties with all of your unbelieving friends, but the purpose of you having friendship with unbelievers is not so that you can do life together. It's so that you can share the gospel with this person. This person needs Christ. This person needs to be saved. This person is in darkness and needs Jesus. And you can be the light to show them the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy of Christ. But if you're hanging out with unbelievers, if you're hanging out with with, um, uh, friends that are unbelievers, then you're walking in a path that's so dangerous. Some of you guys are pursuing or dating people that you know that you should not be dating or pursuing. Some of you guys, some of you ladies like this guy that you know that you should not be liking, that you should not be pursuing. And some of you guys are doing the same exact thing. And you think you'll be fine. I'll be good. Trust me. Ask your small group leaders. I'm sure they can, they have numerous stories of people that have tried that and failed. You do not want to pursue dating relationships with unbelievers. Paul makes it so clear. I mean, you think about even like marriage. Like, let's say you started dating that unbeliever and you got married to the person. Your life is meant to glorify Christ right? Your life as a Christian, if you're a professing Christian here, your life, I want to live for Jesus, I want to do the right thing, I want to please God, and I want to forsake sin. And what does your unbelieving spouse want to do? They're an enemy of God. They're hostile to God. They reject God. You want to have the most intimate relationship that you can have, at least physical relationship besides Christ, with someone who hates the king you serve? Someone that hates the person that you live for? You don't want this. These foolish influences you're following are in direct opposition to the purpo- for the, your purpose of life. Guys, when I was in high school, we had a good, solid group of friends. And about, there was like 15 of us. 14 of them professed Christ. Um, they were good, moral, godly guys. We were in, well, thought they were godly. And we, um, we were in the same small group together. We went to church together. 14 of those guys professed Christ. Guess how many stayed in the faith? Two. Two. And yeah, because their stupid, foolish, sinful actions, they walked away from the faith, right? They didn't lose their salvation. They went out with, from us because they never were of us, right? But they walked away from the faith, and it, it was because of their stupid actions and their sinful actions. But also, guess who they were hanging out with? They got to college. You seniors, think about this. They got to college. They, st- they started hanging out with the wrong people. And they all walked away from the faith because of those sinful influences that they had in their life. They were pushed away from what they knew was right because of the sinful influences in their life. This is so important. This is so key for you to, to understand. Listen to God in this moment. You are being affected. Right? We just read a, a, a handful of verses talking about if you still think you're not being affected by these sinful influences in your life, you are The Bible says it's a guarantee that you will be. Write this verse down, Galatians 6, verses 7 through 8. Galatians 6, verses 7 through 8. It says, do not be deceived. Again, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life the point of the passage is, hey, if you're going to hang out with the wrong people and do the wrong things, you're reaping corruption to yourself. You basically are who you hang out with, right? Bad company corrupts good morals. If you're reaping, if you're sowing spiritual, good and godly, righteous things into your life, good and godly, righteous things will flow from your life. But if you're doing the opposite, you're going to be walking in a sinful path. The sin in your life is going to, corrupt you. So let's sow righteousness. Let's follow godly influences. Some of you don't even care about what I'm saying. You're saying, sure, whatever, I don't care. I don't want to deal with this. You might be the fool. You might be the fool that Proverbs 13 20 is talking about. Turn with me to Luke 17. Luke 17 verses 1 and 2. We got Jesus talking about temptations to sin, the power of temptation. You got to be careful if you're the fool here you may not care but listen to this passage it says and he said to his disciples luke 17 verse 1 he said to his disciples temptations to sin are sure to come you're going to face them but woe to the one through whom they come if you're the stumbling block if you're causing another person to sin woe to you jesus doesn't stop there our good and loving Jesus that the world wants to say would never say anything mean, goes on to say, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to stumble, cause one of these little ones to sin rather. You might be the fool and you may not care about what I'm saying, but listen to the words of Christ here. It's better to face that type of judgment where you get this big old millstone. I think it's bigger than that. It's like, it's huge. Hung around your neck and thrown into the ocean. God is serious about this. If you're causing another person to sin, that's a huge problem. And you may not be like, hey, man, you know, smoke this or drink this or do this. You may not be that, that much of the fool, but you may be the fool that's like, hey, dude, watch this video that you know you shouldn't watch right? You may be the one that's, that's saying, hey, follow this, this guy or listen to this podcast that you know is cussing up a storm or pointing you in a worldly direction. You don't want to be even that close to the fool because God says it's better for you to hang a millstone around your neck. I and mean, that's a serious passage there. God takes it seriously. You guys need to be influenced by godly people. You need to surround yourself with godly influences, You need to reject sinful influences. If you're gonna be a godly influence yourself, you have to be committed to God every single day. You have to be surrounding yourself with the right people. You can't be surrounding yourself with the wrong people. I know this was a little bit of a heavier sermon, but there's still hope. You don't have to be the fool. You don't have to hang out the wrong people. You don't have to be influenced by the wrong people. You can, if you are being influenced by the right person, praise God, keep influencing other people. But you don't have to sit there in this sinful state. God provides hope in this. You can reject that way of life and you can pursue Christ. You can reject those type of influences and pursue godly influences. It's so much worth it. It's So much better. Just take, if I could leave anything with you, just just hear me out on that. Ask your leaders. They'll tell you the same thing. Reject these sinful influences. Follow godly influences. Let's pray. Lord, this is a hard one because I know it's relevant. Even if it's not um, directly people following bad people, and maybe some of us in this room are, um, but it could be even something small, smaller, God, help us to get this because this is the difference really, it could be between life and death. This could be the difference between someone walking away from the faith or staying steadfast in the faith, staying faithful always. God, I pray for all of us to to understand this and to apply this, to start rejecting bad influences. There's some people, God, that are in this room that need to to break even friendships off, break dating relationships off. They need to start unfollowing people. God, I pray that that your word convicts them to that point. But God, I I also pray for your hope to be in their hearts knowing that they can start living a, a godly life right now. They can reject these things and walk pure with you, Lord. I do pray that this causes that, that type of response. So God, thank you for your word that convicts and cuts to the core, that it provides hope and encouragement and endurance. God, you're so grateful gracious to us and we're so grateful to you. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.